2: Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to
1: Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Steven Magic, the podcast. Shows are coming back in Vegas. That's great. And that includes some of the great magic acts. And we have one of the very best with us. Douglas or we'll call him Doug Lefty which most people know him as Lefrovich you've seen him I'm sure this guy is fantastic he's done some great street stuff he's also uh done some things with our buddy Murray Sawchuck he is the uh host of late night magic which you have to see it's at the Alexis Park we're excited about that Friday Saturday and Sundays at 11 o'clock Lefty uh this is exciting you call it Vegas's adults only magic show so what's adults only about
2: this show uh, what's adults-only is is there's no kids there. Okay. <laughs> um, I feel like so many magic shows in town uh, cater that are family-friendly, which I think is wonderful to have options. We wanted to create something that was for adults-only, so the material could be a little bit racier, it could be a little bit more adult theme, and the magic can be a little bit edgier, a little bit more in-your-face as opposed to all the other family-friendly magic shows in town. Well,
1: yeah, I think that's great too because I think it's nice to have that little mix and sometimes you want to see a show where you don't bring your kids and your kids shouldn't be up at 11 o'clock at night anyway watching this, right?
2: Well, also I think it's another opportunity for people to see something different late at night. You know, right now it seems like if you don't go to a nightclub, you can either see a topless female review or you can go to a comedy club. So I think we enter into that space and provide opportunities for people to see something different.
1: I love your stuff. You do some great card things. And, you know, people hear card things and they get bored with it. But I have looked and you guys can all check that out on YouTube. He's all over YouTube. There's some great things there uh, that are just kind of it's that interaction. I I, got to feel like this through this pandemic, it must have been tough for you, right? Not to be able to do that because so much of what you do is that interaction and kind of get that trust of the person you're working with and so forth.
2: Absolutely. And as a live entertainer, we feed off the immediate gratification of the audience. You know, I always tell people when you create a new routine, it's not whether or not I think the routine is good. It's whether or not the audience thinks something is good. You know, I've been lucky enough to be the guest act in Murder, The Magician Show for the last 10 years from Tropicana to Planet Hollywood to back to the Tropicana. There's times where we've come up with an idea, we've worked on it, and we think it's going to be amazing, and then we do it. And it gets an okay reaction from the audience, and then we put in a bit that we think will be okay, and it winds up getting a great reaction, and then we're smart enough to know, let's build on that and make that routine longer and better because it's what the audience likes. So I like the fact that the audience is the judge and jury. When their reaction is great, then we know we've hit the mark.
1: Like I say, you enjoy working with, with the audience and so forth. Like I love the stuff you do out on the street, I, I got to say, because I think there it must be particularly tough because there people aren't excited. and They didn't pay to see you and all that stuff. So they're kind of looking at you like, who is this guy? And yet you seem to be comfortable in those situations. And I always think that's kind of a challenge because you don't know what's going to happen there.
2: Absolutely. And I also think that the magic is more real as opposed to in the confines of a theater where... There's smoke, and there's lights, and there's curtains, and people are sitting further away. What I like about the street magic is we're out in broad daylight. There's people next to you. There's people in front of you. There's sometimes even people behind you. So the conditions are very, very challenging, and you really are on the spot to do some amazing magic for these people. You know, when you do
1: your show, do you have a certain period of time in the beginning where you kind of got to get them to buy in because there's a certain amount of people that just love magic they go see magic shows they they're enchanted by and then there's always those people that kind of tag along that really ah this stuff's all garbage we don't want to see it and yet there's a point where you kind of win them over where they're like wow (laughs) is is that kind of what you're always shooting for the how do i get them to where all of a sudden they realize i can't figure this out this guy is really good
2: Well, I I think the goal at this point in my career is not necessarily to fool the people. It's to entertain the people. Uh, If a byproduct of what I do is fooling them, that's great. But my goal is to entertain them. You know, so many times when people say to me, how do you do do the trick? How do you do the trick? And it's a close friend. And I wind up saying, okay, I'll tell you how the trick is done. When I tell them how the trick is done, they're like, oh, that's it? So many times when people think about how a trick is done, their imagination is so much wilder than the actual way the trick is done. But, you know, for example, in Late Night Magic, because we have myself and four other great magicians who specialize in each of their categories, I like the fact that the show keeps moving. So if the first act comes out and does freak show stuff and that's not your thing, great. After ten minutes, another act comes out, does silent manipulation. If that's not your thing, great. And someone comes out and does mentalism and mind reading. So the show has a fast pace, and because there's a variety of performers, I don't think anyone ever gets bored.
1: Yeah, I love that idea. Well, tell us who was all on there besides yourself, because I like that idea of the in-and-out thing, there's something for everybody, and you kind of get caught up with it, and it's kind of fun to sit there and compare, well, I really like this. On the other hand, this one surprised me, and so forth.
2: So right now, the current rotation is I get to host the show. I also do my signature card manipulation act, in the show and I also tell a couple dirty jokes because it is late night magic. Uh, The first act in the show is a gentleman by the name of John Shaw. He specializes in sideshow, freak show things where he'll take a drill and put a drill in his nose. Um, He does all these crazy sideshow things and different than the magic you see in the show, everything he does is real. There's actually no trick to what he does. He does everything with his physical ability. We have another magician in the show called Bizarro, and all the magician all the magic he does, he actually creates, which is very unique in our business. But it's all visual, sleight of hand, cool manipulation to music. We have a female magician named Anna Rose, and she combines mentalism, magic, and hypnosis, and it's very interactive with the audience. So, Sometimes she'll call on a specific person. Sometimes she'll do a bit on stage that everyone in the audience can participate with. We also have a phenomenal dove magician who produces birds out of thin air named Mandre. And then we also have an act from the U.K. Her name is Holly England, and she does sleight of hand and illusions. Very
1: cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. I want to know you as a somebody who's been doing this since you were a little kid, actually, How do you keep working on your craft? Because it isn't like you learn 10 different illusions and you do the same 10 illusions the rest of your career. Are you always looking for
2: things, or how does that work? Yeah, always looking for new bits, always looking to refine things, to change them, to get them better. And like I said previously, I think a lot of it has to do with how does it get dictated by the audience, by the audience's reaction. You know, sometimes I'll put together a three-minute piece and one part We'll get a great reaction, and then I wind up taking that part and building upon it to make it the whole three minutes. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. That actually it does. And again, I think a lot of people don't realize that the tricks are great, you know, and so forth. But there is a there is an art to the entertainment side of it. It has to be, just like in the way some people that can do good impressions, that's all great, but if you don't have good material, it's kind of the same thing, things can die off. So you're constantly, I guess, always looking for that, and you respond, you say off uh, what the audiences tell you, how they kind of, you keep uh, kind of polishing it as you go along.
2: Well, the tricky thing is that, uh, and this is an example I use often, when a musician plays a hard piece of music, they can look at their instrument They can be sweating. They can look very intense. In magic, it is the complete opposite. The harder it is for me to do something, the easier I have to make it look. If I make a girl levitate and I am visibly sweating and struggling, that's not what you want to see.
1: Right. (laughs) If it's
2: hard to make the girl levitate, which it is, I have to make it look carefree and easy. And I think sometimes, you know, people get frustrated as an audience because time and time again, I'm doing something that you can't explain. And as a magician, you walk a very fine line of being confident and cocky because what you're doing, someone can't comprehend. They can't figure out what you're doing. You're going in knowing I'm not going to be able to figure out everything this person does. What you
1: said is interesting. So you don't want to be too cocky because then the audience kind of turns on you, right? They don't want that. They They don't want this idea that I know something, you don't, and that's the whole point of this.
2: Right, and I think, you know, someone like Murray the Magician does a great job with that where he sometimes lets people in on the gag. Like he knows, hey, I look silly. My hair looks ridiculous. Look at what I'm wearing. Hey, wink, wink. I'm here just up having fun. I think when a magician takes themselves too seriously and really thinks they can do magic, that's when stuff goes sideways.
1: And I guess the whole art of magic and so forth, you know, back from the days of the Ed Sullivan show, which maybe you grew up with and people uh, remember seeing you pull a rabbit out of your hat and all that kind of stuff. And now, you know, people think of Penn and Teller and those type of acts – they kind of want more from it. I mean, it's more, more of a demanding audience, right? We want more entertainment than just simply a, wow, that was incredible. They, they want more than that.
2: Yes, and I also think, like, you know, we're always trying as magicians to stay ahead of science and to stay ahead of technology. You know, I tell people, you know, just like mathematics, there's only a certain amount of principles in magic, like in math. You know, there could be very complex math, but it boils down to a certain amount of principles, So magic, we are constantly trying to figure out a way to reconfigure what you're seeing, even though there's only a certain amount of basic principles. And that could be adding technology, or it could be taking away technology and stripping it down and doing it something like street magic.
1: Comedy has become a really important part of magic, too, right? I mean, people want, want to laugh as well as be amazed. They, they also want to have some fun with it. And like you said before, you kind of like, like you don't want to have them see you sweat. It's kind of that same thing. You want people to just have fun with it.
2: Well, as I tell people, comedy is a natural reaction to something you see. You don't force yourself to laugh. You just laugh. If you see something funny on stage or on TV or in a movie, you laugh. Applause is a trained response. If you see a magician take a coin, put it in their hand, they open up their hand and it's gone, Mm -hmm. your reaction might be, oh my gosh. And then (laughs) you say, let me show respect to the performer and applaud for them. But that's something you have to think about, as opposed to if I say something funny, you just laugh. You don't think to yourself, that was funny. Now let me laugh. You just laugh.
1: Well, this is something you knew you wanted to do all your life. As I understand it, when you were four years old, it's kind of like when you started. Uh, is it just something where it clicks at that age and it's a matter of, I can get better at this? And it was it kind of the adoration the wrong word? But you know that idea where every, all the other kids are looking at you, it's a way to be cool as you're growing up.
2: Uh, I don't know if necessarily people think magicians <laughs> are cool. Uh, I know there was definitely a period in my life where uh, being a magician was not cool. Uh, I think for me, it was something that I started doing with my dad and my brother, and it's something we did as a family. So we started out not as a career or to make money. It was something we did, uh, my brother and I, with my dad. So Mm. it was my grandmother's birthday. We would do a 10-minute show, and relatives would come over for Christmas one year, and we would do a 15-minute show. And then eventually our neighbors contacted my mom and said, oh, you know, we know about the boys doing magic. Would they come over and do a show? So our first show, I think we got paid $35. My brother and I split it and my dad made no money, even (laughs) though he bought all the tricks. So as a kid, it was not something that I did necessarily thinking I would do this for the rest of my life. It was more of a family bonding experience and, you know, my dad was a lawyer for many years and. We really looked at it like a business, and I learned a lot about you know, writing out a show order and cleaning my nails and dressing nice and being respectful to adults because the adults are the ones that are paying for the kids' birthday party. So if we did 25 tricks in a 45-minute birthday party, my dad and mom always said, we need to do two or three tricks that the kids get, but they're more related for the adults because the adults are the one that are paying for the party.
1: right? right. <laughs> so little
2: things like that as a kid, I don't think I necessarily understood, but as I got older, it really made sense. And then growing up in high school, that's the way my brother and I made money. So when my friends had jobs like bagging groceries or having a newspaper route, my brother and I would do you know anywhere from two to five shows a weekend, and that's how we made money. I mean, for me, when I was younger, magic always came easy because I was always very good at puzzles. Mm-hmm. So when my ba- dad would buy a new trick, I would tell him, don't tell me how the trick is done. Show it to me and let me try to figure it out. And sometimes I would guess right and sometimes I would figure out a different method. So it was a constant you know, uh, learning process for me and then as I got older I went to college and it was something I enjoyed doing and then after college my parents were nice enough to say, "Hey." why don't you move to LA and give it a shot for a couple of years? And if it doesn't work out, then you can get a real job. (laughs) So I've been very fortunate, but like most entertainers, you know, it goes in waves, you know, right now I'm very fortunate, especially coming out of COVID to be doing two shows in town. But there's times where I've gone, you know, six, eight months without work.
1: One thing you said, uh, where you kind of would, would, tell your dad not to tell you exactly how it was done, try to figure it out. Is that kind of a way of exercising that part of the brain that makes that a little bit more understandable? I mean, once you get it like that, it kind of puts you in a different situation than the average person that doesn't really think about this stuff.
2: I absolutely agree with that. I think it's a challenge like a puzzle. You know, if someone teaches you how to do the puzzle, it doesn't, you know, exercise that part of the brain to figure out how it's done. And maybe you think of a different way. To solve the puzzle than you know the actual way so for me it was always you know learning and then once I learned how to do the trick then I focused on the presentation the story and then how do I make it my own so it's not just I'm performing a trick that I bought and I'm doing it the way the instructions told me it's how do I make the trick my own.
1: What's the last part of that? Is it like once you get all that down and you're talking to people, then I guess you have to kind of know how to turn it on and off so you can be hired uh, not only in live performances, but if somebody wants to record you for video, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I think it's similar to your job. You know, you talk all the time, but you know as a host, you have to be able to turn it on. You have to be able to. As I'm answering a question, you have to be listening to the answer, but also thinking of your next question. Is it a new question? Is it a follow-up question? So as an entertainer in any art form, I think you know the good ones have the ability to turn it on and turn it off when they need to.
1: Well, one thing, Lefty can turn it on. Let me tell you, he's fantastic. First thing you want to do is go on YouTube, look him up. He's got some great stuff. And then you want to see him when you come out to Vegas. So let's tell him again uh, where you're going to be. You're going to be at uh, one of my favorite places. I, I'm a big fan of Alexis Park. I think it's a great place. Friday, Saturday, and Sundays at 11 o'clock. That's it. And that's a kind of a fun place, isn't it?
2: Absolutely, and there's a bunch of great shows over there, everything ranging from a Motown tribute show to a Prince tribute show and a burlesque show, and then four days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on the guest star in Murray the Magician show inside the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana Hotel and Casino, and right now that show's at 4 p.m.
1: And if people want to follow you, where do we go online to uh, keep track of what you're doing?
2: Uh, If you go to leftymagic.com, You can follow me there. And if you go on social media, you can find me all over social media.
1: Lefty, thank you so much. We can't wait
2: to see you. Terrific. Thank you so much.
1: If you love great sound, you'll love Oont Speakers. Introducing their new sports action line, created especially for water sports. Meet Troy, one of the idea guys.
2: When you combine the tech along with these killer new designs, having it by the pool at home or by the hotel, can't go wrong.
1: Be seen, be heard. Go to theoontz.com. That's T-H-E-O-O-N-T-Z dot Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Or more at elearning.epsilonxr.com.